This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 6, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. When research comes forth proclaiming that some schools are better than others, or as in a recent study, that some schools are definitely not better than others, what is left out? What is essential for that research to prove its claims? Corey DeAngelis is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. We discussed education research and what alert readers should look for when trying to evaluate it. There is new research from the University of Virginia And the result, as it's been interpreted in uh, public media, is you get no better results from private schools over public schools for low-income students. So uh, what what do you make of that? This study published by uh, Pianta and and Sari, his colleague, simply looked at 1,000 students that were born in around 1991 um, over until they were about 15 years old. And they simply did a observational study where they controlled for some characteristics uh, of students in public and private schools uh, around the country. And they found overall that there were null results, that there was no statistically significant correlation between uh, the private school outcomes and the public school outcomes. Okay. And what should we when, we, when we look at a study like that, what should we think about it? Well, we should look at, at it just for how it is. It's a correlational study. We can't say these effects are causal. It's a, uh, you know, researchers use the term a bronze standard evaluation, not a gold standard evaluation. So on the other hand, there we have 17 experimental studies in the United States that use random assignments. So these are the gold standard of social science research and all types of research, medical trials and, and, and other types of research as well, that use random lottery to determine who get access to a voucher program or not, in a sense, randomly assigning kids to public or private schools. With these studies, we can tell that the private school is actually the the causal factor determining the difference in outcomes for students, and you can't you can't make that conclusion from this uh, this one study that is merely correlational with controls. Okay, so when uh, reporters or columnists take a look at studies like this that, as you say, are correlational, uh, and they draw the conclusion because there was no statistically significant result in uh, in a study, is it going too far to then say there is no benefit? Yes, definitely. And there's a couple of problems with that type of approach. The first approach is you cannot say that it's that there's any differences between the two sectors or that this study is establishing whether there are differences or not since it's a low-quality study. Um, and the other problem with that is you should look at the best evidence and you should look at the preponderance of the evidence. Even if the study were causal and it found null results, just looking at one study does you no justice. You, sh- you should look at what does the preponderance of the evidence say, and based on the evidence we have today and the most rigorous evidence, it uh, actually finds that private school choice benefits students. Another problem with the current study is that it's only it's very limited in sample size. There's only about a thousand students that they use, and that they found a null result could be a simply indicative of a lack of power in the study. If you have a small sample like the one that they had, only a thousand students, the null result could be driven just because of uh, the lack of ability of this of the uh, the methodology to detect effects because of the weak sample size. So the, even the authors themselves estimated that their study had power 
uh, strong enough to detect effects that were about a tenth to a fifth of a standard deviation, which is actually quite large for school choice studies. For example, if you look at the uh, a meta-analysis by Shaquille Anderson and Wolf, which are University of Arkansas and, and Harvard University researchers, they find that on average, the school choice programs have positive effects on student test scores of about 7% of a standard deviation, which is smaller than than the effect that that this study um, by the UVA researchers was able to detect. Um, so that's just more evidence that it could be uh, just a lack of power, and that could be why there's no results. And just to go further on that, let's just uh, you know assume that this study was causal, even though it's not, even though it's just correlational. Even if it were to be a causal study, uh, you know this study doesn't take into account that the um, uh, private schools uh, cost less on average for t- for taxpayers than uh, the traditional public schools. So, so it's a bang for the buck question. Yeah. So if you're getting the same outcomes, this null result of the study, and you're spending less on kids in private schools, that's a positive return on investment for the taxpayer. Um, so just you know something on that the uh, the Friedman Foundation for Educational Choice, which is now just simply called EdChoice. They've estimated that vouchers in the United States cost the taxpayer about 59% of what we spend on traditional public school students. So about you know $7,000 per head rather than around $13,000 per head. So if you're getting the same outcomes for almost half of the investment, I would call that a win. But it seems like a lot of other uh, you know education reporters in the Washington Post and other locations are are spinning this result as a negative result, even though it's simply a a null result study. What dimensions of school do parents care about? I mean, test scores has to be up there. Test scores is up there, but if you, you know, over and over again, when we've surveyed parents, they care a lot more about other things on the hierarchy of needs, uh, safety being one of those things. So if you look at the evidence on non-test score outcomes, it's actually a lot more positive uh, for students. So for safety, for example, there are three of these gold standard evaluations. One of them is a silver standard. There's four total. But all these studies, all four of them find very large, statistically significant positive effects on the the likelihood that a child feels safe in school, for example. So the most recent uh, DC Opportunity Scholarship evaluation, for example, that was released earlier this year um, by the uh, Federal Department of Education actually found that the students performed slightly lower on test scores, about 10 percentile points lower on math scores, no difference on reading scores, but the kids were 35% more likely to say that they felt they were very safe in school. And we can say this is an effect of the school, not student background or parent background. It's nothing to do with parent motivation because this is a random assignment evaluation. And there are two other random assignment valuations finding similar results that school choice leads to uh, safer schools for kids. When I read about studies that deal with sort of the competition between public and private schools, it it, it does almost always reduce to test scores. And mm-hmm. it, it rarely ever is there a discussion of other factors along which parents would choose a school. And it, seem, it seems like a bit of motivated reasoning because – if the results are so robust on behalf of private schools in terms of uh, safety and young people or their parents being able to choose those kinds of options, then it would behoove those who 
want to support the sort of the monopoly schools to mm-hmm. say, well, let's just talk about test scores. Right. If you try to get into a debate with with these people or you know opponents of school choice, they will always try to focus on the evidence on standardized test scores. It just turns out that that evidence is the least friendly to school choice. Although it is overall positive, it is the smallest positive benefit. You know, it's about seven percent of a standard deviation positive impact. If you look at the best studies. But again, like if you look at things that parents actually care about, like safety or civic outcomes, you know, character skills, whether the kids grow up to be criminals, which is a really exciting thing to look at, the effects are a lot larger than 7% of a standard deviation, and they're almost always positive. Um, so yeah, it, it the evidence really turns out to, um, you know, it, it really follows the theory that parents are you know, choosing schools based on things other than test scores. And that's why those that evidence is a lot more favorable to school choice. And just, you know, a, another recent study that came out that highlights this disconnect between, you know, test scores and long-term outcomes is by a researcher named Kirbo Jackson over at Northwestern University. And he actually did a study in Barbados. So you can't really apply these results to the United States. But it's a causal method called known as uh, regression discontinuity design. It essentially takes advantage of the fact that falling on one or other another side of a of a strict cutoff that's arbitrary is almost random chance. So it can essentially replicate experimental results. What he found there was that parents that were able to get the school that they wanted for their kids, that they preferred for their kids, relative to the ones that barely missed the 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 cutoff. They found no better test scores for their kids, um, but getting the preferred school led to higher earnings in the long run, lower likelihood of teen pregnancy, males were more likely to participate in the labor force, and uh, a ton of other outcomes that he looked at as well, such as you're more likely to have a normal BMI, you're more likely to exercise more when you you got older. Um, So it's just... Another study adding on to the mounting evidence that test scores aren't good predictors of long-term outcomes. You know, when you get the school that you want, um, it often doesn't translate into test scores, but it does translate into other things that people actually care about. Corey DeAngelis is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute's Center for Educational Freedom. You can subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes, Google Podcasts, and when you think about it, say, Alexa, play the Cato Daily Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.